Amen. It's off to a good start. I hope I don't mess it up. Amen. Well, if you got your Bible, I want to invite you to turn with me in your word to the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 3. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 3. And I want to talk to us this morning a little while about the empowering work of the Holy Spirit. You know, God did forgive us. He gave us salvation. And with that, we have eternal life. But there's more to salvation than just getting forgiven of your sins. Through a relationship with Jesus, he, he gifts us with awesome things of grace. And one of the things I think we have forgot about, that at the moment you're saved, you're not just forgiven. You don't just, by grace, receive eternal life. And you don't begin eternal life when you get to go to heaven. Eternal life begins the moment you get saved. And there's something that God does that I want us to look at. And you see it here when John the Baptist was baptizing when he baptized Jesus. And I want us to look at that thinking about this morning. It's wonderful that there's coming a day when we're not going to be sick. We're not going to cry. There's not going to be a tear. We're going to be in heaven and look upon the face of the one who saved us by his grace. But today, if you're thankful and if you're honest, you realize today that you can't live the life that Christ has called us to live unless you live it in his power. And he has not left us orphans. He has sent the Holy Spirit to live within us. The Bible is explicitly clear that if you're saved today, you've been born again. If a man has not been born again, Jesus said he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And when you're born again, God's life comes into your life and his spirit indwells us, the Bible says. And John the Baptist said something that I think sometimes we've forgotten about. And then right here, if you look with me in verse 15 of chapter 3. It says, now as the people were in expectation and all reasoned in their hearts about John, whether he was the Christ or not. And remember, they hadn't had a prophet show up in 400 years. And now a man of God filled with the Holy Spirit of God, preaching anointing, powerful sermons. And John the Baptist is on the scene. They're beginning to think he's the Messiah that they've been expecting and looking forward to. But John answers them in verse 16. Saying to all of them, I indeed baptize you with water. That's what we did just now. But one mightier than I is coming. Who's he talking about? He's talking about Jesus, the true Messiah. And he says, who I'm not even worthy to strap his, to, let me read it again. But one mightier than I is coming whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to loose. And I want you to focus on that last part. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now guys, when does that happen? It happens when you got saved. If it didn't happen, you didn't get saved. If you really look at scripture and read out what scripture says happens to us. And friends, today, if we look, if there's something that we need in our lives, within the church and throughout our ministries, we need the fire of God again. We need fire from on high to fall upon the people of God to ignite us again with a renewed commitment to our Lord Jesus, that we will follow him, not in our own power, not in a religious activity, but with power from on high that is not our own, that comes from the indwelling Holy Spirit in us. Jesus made that promise to us. He said that I will give to you the promise of my Father, that when the power of the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will be my witnesses in Judea and Jerusalem and Judea and to the Samaria and to the other ends of the earth. But I want to look at Jesus. 
Jesus is our example. He's the author and finisher of our faith. We look to him. We're to emulate him. I don't know about y'all, but people ask me sometimes about baptism and the different modes of baptism and how we should be baptized. And the way I look at it, I want to be baptized the way Jesus was baptized. And Jesus was baptized by immersion. He went under the water. And when they raised him up out of the water, the Holy Spirit, it says, came down upon him and ascended on him like a dove. And the Father from heaven spoke. Now, we didn't hear that today. I didn't see a dove come down on Miss Angela or Miss Debbie. But I bet you they felt something they ain't never felt before as they committed their life to Christ in their heart, in their spirit. And that's what it's all about. It's about fire and the presence of God being made manifested in our life. There's a difference between being religious and being in a relationship with Jesus where he lives within our heart. Christ in us, the hope of glory. And friends... As we look at this, I want to look at Jesus. People ask me sometimes a question about being buried. Brother Marvin, what do you think about, what's it called? Um, cremation. cremation. And I'm going to just tell you my personal view. Biblically, you got freedom and grace. It's not a heaven or hell issue to be cremated. But when I read my Bible, Jesus was buried. And I personally want to be buried like Jesus. Amen. Because Jesus on the third day came out of that grave, and I'm hoping one day in the resurrection I'm going to come out of mine. Amen? Now, I'm not saying that you're not going to be able to experience the resurrection, but I'm going to say that as best I can, I personally think that Jesus is the one we should emulate. He's our Lord. He's our example. And as you look here with me today, I want you to look down at what it says. It says in verse 21, when all the people were baptized, one day Jesus showed up. And Jesus didn't need to be baptized. That was a baptism of repentance. He didn't need to be repentant. But he told John the Baptist, when John the Baptist said, I'm in need of being baptized by you. Lord forbid that I baptize you. And Jesus said, permit it to be so, for we need to be, commit all righteousness sake. And so Jesus was baptized. Now I want you to look and see what happened. When all the people were baptized, now they ain't telling how many people John and his apostles had baptized. Probably thousands. It came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heavens was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And the Bible is clear that the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus at his baptized. John the Baptist said in John chapter 1 verse 32 that he saw the spirit descend as a dove from heaven and it remained on him and as you go look here with me therefore jesus when he entered into temptation the bible says he was filled and full of the holy spirit he went through the temptation and after the temptation as he began his ministry after his temptation at the beginning of his ministry jesus returned to galilee to his hometown and it says in the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to show you some things here. If Jesus, the Son of the living God, needed to depend on the anointing and the presence of the Holy Spirit through him to do his ministry, certainly me and you need the Holy Spirit too. And I want you to see, it says that right after his baptism, look at verse 23. Now Jesus himself began his ministry at about 30 years of age. So up until 30, Jesus is Jesus but he hasn't publicly made himself known and began his public ministry until he was 30. I think it's significant that Scripture shows us that before he began that ministry at 30 years of age, at his baptism, he was anointed. 
and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And as he begins his journey to start his ministry, the first thing that happens is that the devil shows up. Did you know that the devil is going to attack you if you live a life that is filled and led and empowered by the Holy Spirit? But it's only through the Holy Spirit that you'll be able to overcome the devil. And I want you to see the first thing happens. I want you to see the devil didn't come to Jesus. The Spirit led Jesus to the devil. And a lot of times when the devil shows up, we get to wondering where God is. And a lot of times God is the one who has led us to the place where we're going to have a confrontation And this is something you need to learn. If you're going to live a spirit-filled life, if you're going to not have a life that quenches the spirit, that grieves the spirit, you're going to have to learn how to stand by the word of God against the devil and temptation. The reason most of us aren't experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit in our life today, if you're saved, is because you are given into temptation and you're living a life that is sinful to the point that you grieve and quench the spirit in your life. But I want you to look at what happened with Jesus. And what I love about this, Jesus handled the devil head on just like we had to handle the devil. He could have told the devil, go back to hell where you came from. He could have spoke and brought down thousands of legions of angels. But Jesus, when the devil showed up to try to come against him because he was fixing to start his ministry, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Look at what it says in verse 1 of chapter 4. Immediately after Jesus is baptized, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. He begins his ministry. It says in verse 1, then Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit. Take notice of that. Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And he was tempted for 40 days. And during those 40 days, the devil came at him three times. And every time, for time's sake this morning, we're not preaching about that But every time that the devil tempted Jesus, he told him, thus saith the Lord. He said, according to the word. And friends, that's why you need to learn the word. And Jesus, when he was tempted, every time Jesus answered, like verse 4, saying, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, tempted him again. Told him to worship him and serve him. And Jesus said again in verse 8. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Now, friends, I want you to think about this. As you begin to look at this, the empowering work of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament is first seen and mostly fully revealed in his anointing and the empowering of Jesus as the Messiah. Now, if Jesus was anointed and he was empowered by the Holy Spirit, and the Bible makes big emphasis on showing us that, that's so that we will understand the importance of us if we're going to stand against the devil and be fruitful and successful, if we're going to do ministry that makes a difference and impacts other people's lives. It has to be God doing it through us. It can't be you doing it for Jesus. It has to be you doing it with Jesus. And when you do it with Jesus and his spirit is working through us because we're in his will, we're obeying him. It's not for us. It's not for our glory. It's for him and the benefit of others. The Holy Spirit will use you. And Jesus right here himself is tempted that fourth time. And after he stands, and friends, that's why it's so important 
to trust in the power of the Holy Spirit and the truth of God's word and stand in that spiritual power and in strength and say to the devil, the word says it is written this. And don't give in because, listen, when he stood that last time, the devil left. You see, he can't stand forever. And listen to what it says right there in verse 6. And it, I'm sorry. Verse 13. Now, when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. And I want you to look at this. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. When Jesus went back to Galilee, he returned in the power of the Spirit. That's significant. The question we need to ask ourselves is when he had left Galilee, he was God. We know he was the fullness of God. But was he working and living and operating in the capacity of being anointed and filled with the power of the Holy Spirit upon his life to where people seen it? And I want to show you right here. It, it, it implies in the scriptures that Jesus before this did not give away that he was any different to the point that he was anointed by the Spirit of God. Because listen, when he returned, look at what it says. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He returns in verse 14, and Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. News of him went out through all the region, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And I want you to notice this in verse 16. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, that was his regular habit. All his life, Jesus had lived in Nazareth. That's where he had been brought up. That's where he had been raised. And his custom was to go to synagogue, his home church, his home synagogue, where everybody knew Jesus. It's kind of like everybody knows everybody here if this is your home church. And so Jesus goes back to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. I want you to understand something. For 30 years, Jesus had probably stood in the synagogue and read the scriptures in the service many, many times. Amen. And they had been accustomed to seeing Jesus do that. And so this day, though, Jesus does it. And it says that he returned in the power of the spirit of God. And look at what it says. And he was handed the book in verse 17 of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. And look at what he read. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty for the captives. And recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book like he had done many times before. He gave it back to the attendant. And he sat down in his spot. He probably had a spot. How many of you has got a spot where you sit here every Sunday? I believe Jesus may have had a spot. But I can promise you some of them other folks had a spot. Because that's what religious people do. They claim their spot. That's why some of you already got your blanket there. And. You got your name on the chair. But everything wasn't normal. It wasn't like it usually is this day. Something was different about Jesus. Jesus had read and served and been a part of those services for 30 years. But now he's been baptized and anointed by the Holy Spirit of God. And he returns in power. And look at what it says in verse 20. So when he closed the book and he gave it back to the attendant, he sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. 
And Jesus began to say something. He had never said this before. He said, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your sight. Jesus never said that before. He said, today, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Today, he has anointed me so that I may preach the gospel to the poor. He says, he sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Friends, if you're brokenhearted, you don't need some dead, carnal Christian giving you a sermonette. You need a word from God from somebody on fire filled with the Holy Ghost. Somebody who lives for Jesus and Jesus lives within them. Who's dedicated to the things of God. Somebody who when you hear it, you know he's got the presence of God in his life. And if you're going to change people's lives in your ministry, you're going to need this Holy Spirit power too. Someone said, do you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit to go to Walmart? And someone said, man, you need to get filled with the Holy Spirit just to go anywhere. I don't know about being filled with the Holy Spirit to go to Walmart. I know that was a joke. But I can tell you this. If you're going to raise kids and have a spiritual impact in their life and lead them to Christ, you better be anointed with the Holy Spirit of God. He better be in your home. He better be in your marriage. He better be over your ministry. Because it's not you, my friend, who will ever convince your children that Jesus is who he said he is. It's Jesus in you, the hope of glory. It's Christ being manifested by the presence of who he is by his spirit through his people. And today we forgot that Jesus has promised us that he would baptize us with fire. And he would also fill us with the Holy Spirit. Man, I've been at this church and someone, we used to have this old guy named Brother Bill. Brother Bill was vocal. He was loud. Ooh, he was excited. He was on fire. And I've had people say, you need to make him be quiet. He's distracting us. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing I'm never going to do. I'm never going to put water on God's fire. Amen. If someone's shouting, it bothers you, you need to go talk to him. I ain't messing with him. If God stirred a Baptist up, I sure ain't going to make him go to sleep. I've been trying to wake you up since I got here. Can I get an amen? <laughs> and God needs to have people waking up. Not ashamed to amen. Not ashamed to say, preach it, preacher. Not to say, man, our preacher is anointed. He's under the spout this morning. God showed up. Because that don't happen every Sunday. But when it does happen, God's at work and he's planning on doing something that only he can do. And a church needs the Holy Spirit. Let me show you what the Bible says about Jesus. The Bible says that God anointed Jesus in Acts chapter 10. Peter said this, that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He anointed his own son who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. Have you figured out yet you're no match for the devil on your own? Until you get filled with the Holy Ghost. Until the Holy Spirit of God is active in your life and you're walking in the Spirit and not the flesh. You're living a life of spiritual maturity instead of carnality and worldliness. And friends, listen today. There's way too many of us. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit also empowered the disciples of the early church. That verse right there is in Acts chapter 4, verse 31. It says, and when they had prayed, the church, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. 
If you go to reading the book of Acts over and over and over, you'll find things like this. In Acts chapter 4, verse 8, it says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, and he preached Jesus to the same people that he had watched having crucified and falsely accused him. And he wouldn't back down, and he wouldn't shut up. And he preached because he was filled with fire and power from on high. And Peter could not be shut up ever again in his life. Him and John, over and over, you say, Peter and John, filled with the Holy Spirit, did ministry. Um, when they got ready, when they grew to the point they needed to bring in other ministry, and they got seven men to come help, to go feed widows. <laughs> if you're feeding widows, that doesn't seem like you would have to be a very spiritual person to do that, to be over the meal ministry. But this is what the Bible said. In Acts chapter 6, verse 10, Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. The business of what? Feeding the widows. Now, guys, if you need to be full of the Holy Spirit and have wisdom to feed widows, if you're going to teach a Sunday school class, if you're going to stand in a pulpit, if you're going to raise children and give them Jesus, you better get full of the Holy Spirit too. Can I get an Amen. And today we live a life of carnality. We're no different than the world. We don't even think and ask God to fill us with the Holy Spirit. We don't even live a life where we're dependent on him and expecting him to be evident in our life. And if I'm kidding, ask yourself, when's the last time in your prayer time you said, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Lord, help me to walk in your power. Lord, anoint me. That's not just a preacher. It's every Christian needs that and today we have forgotten what Christ has promised us and friends over and over and over you see this in the, in the New Testament this is in Thessalonica 50 years after the early church of the book of Acts 50 years later Paul's ministering and look at what he says in 1 Thessalonians 1 5 for our gospel did not come to you in word only but also in power and the Holy Spirit in much assurance. You know what gives a person assurance to trust in the gospel? The power of God and the anointing of his spirit. Friends, today, too many services. If the Holy Spirit left, we wouldn't know the difference. <laughs> but when he shows up, I want to ask you this morning, do we know the difference? Do you recognize the difference between a man who lives and ministers in the power of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of God is upon him, or a song team and music Music is not based upon our preference. It can be the best music you like, but if the Spirit of God isn't in it, it's not going to touch your heart. But friends, listen, when God is in it, it changes people. It touches people. I want you to think about this with me. If Jesus and the early disciples did ministry in the power of the Holy Spirit, do you think this morning it's important that all of our ministry be done in the power of the Holy Spirit also? That's a question. Let me over here. Do y'all think that's important? <laughs> Amen, Brother Marvin. That's a good point. It's important. Think about this. The modern church must now recognize the need for the Holy Spirit's power if it's going to do the work of ministry that makes a difference in other people's lives. Do you know why so much of what we do doesn't accomplish very much? Because it's with a little prayer. It's not always based upon the Word of God. And it's not done by people who live a life totally dependent upon God and his provision through his Holy Spirit in their life. And if we be honest this morning, there's people here that you can't remember the last time or if you ever prayed to Jesus to anoint you and give you power 
to be a witness for him. And that's our chief purpose for being here and not being in heaven yet. He called every one of us to be his witness. And he gave us the Holy Spirit to give us the power to do it. We looked at poor Timothy Timothy last week. Timothy was timid like a lot of us. Paul said, don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord Jesus Christ, Timothy. But suffer for the glory of God with me. For God did not give you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And friends, that's what God gives us through the power of his Holy Spirit. And not only does he give you power to witness, to share, but he gives you power to overcome. The Bible says this, not me, but the Bible says that you are of God, little children, have overcome them. Who? The world. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. You know what he's talking about? The verse above there, he says, the Antichrist is already in the world. But we are greater than the spirit of the Antichrist because the one who is in us is the spirit of the Christ. And he is greater than he was in the world. Too many of us look at ourselves as victims of our circumstances. You don't understand where I came from. You didn't come out of the terrible situation I'm in. And that's why you're still living defeated as a victim. If you meet Jesus and you come into contact with him, he's not going to just keep treating you like a victim. He's going to turn you into a victor. He's going to give you grace and power and strength to walk in victory. And as long as you keep excusing your sin, excusing your weaknesses, telling yourself, I just don't have a personality like Brother Marvin. I'm shy. I'm not like him. I'm kind of backwards. You're going to stay that way for Jesus. But if you'll say, Lord, I am shy. I am backwards, but I want to win my neighbor to Jesus. I got a coworker that's going to hell, and I want to tell him about you. He'll give you the power. He'll give you the strength. If you got sin in your life, yeah, we all struggle. Yeah, we're all tempted. Yes, we fail. We're not Jesus, but we have Jesus with us, and he will give you strength, and he will help you to overcome your sin. But you got to be saved. you got to be born again. you got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And friends, today... What we need to understand is that Holy Spirit-empowered ministry is the great need of the church today. We don't need more programs. Lord knows we got enough. All the money in the world won't win more people to Jesus. We surely don't need more preaching and teaching. We, we, a lot of things the Baptist church might lack, but I'd be willing to stand to say that. Every Baptist church I'm associated with, personally, everyone I've ever been Known their pastors preaching the word of God. They're accurately and rightly dividing the word of truth. Preaching to you the gospel and the Bible and the word of God. It ain't that we don't have the information. It's that we have not experienced the transformation. We're still conformed to the world. And we have not been transformed by the renewing of our mind. So that we are able today to walk in power. And do the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Which is to exemplify Christ and live a Christ-like life. And friends, listen, you got to come to the place where you understand it's not by your wisdom. It's not by your knowledge. It's not by your ability. Zerubbabel was in the Old Testament, and he was given the, 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 he was given the um, a job to build the new temple when they were brought back from, help me, my mind went blank. Y'all know where they came from. See, that's why I know i got to be anointed because I'm so stupid. God's got to help me or I wouldn't do this. But when they came back from captivity over in with Nebuchadnezzar, they were building, after coming back from Babylon, 
He started building the temple. They laid the foundation. That's all they built. Guys, it's not enough to have a foundation. A lot of churches have the foundation, but they have not finished the job. Ministry can have a foundation, but it must have flesh and bones and structure. And even if you got flesh and bones and structure, sooner or later, it's got to have power. And too many of us are not walking in power. See, God told him, Zerubbabel, you're trying to do it on your own. You're trying to do it with your own money. He said, but it's not by your might. It's not by your power. It must be by my spirit. And guys, it's the same way if you want to win people to Christ, if you want to have a church that makes a difference. It's not by what we can gather together and accumulate. It's not by our ability. It's not by our might or his power. It's by his spirit that God saves people. We can't convict someone of sin. We can't draw someone to Christ. We can't give someone the understanding and discernment to be able to believe and put faith in the gospel. Jesus has to do that. And the Bible says, Jesus said that when he, the Holy Spirit, has come, he will convict the world of sin. He will convict the world of righteousness, and he will convict the world of judgment. And guys, until you're convicted that you're sinful and that your righteousness is of no value apart from his, and that if you don't have righteousness that accepted by God, you will face a judgment. You'll never believe what the preacher says enough to get saved. The Holy Spirit does that. Now, how many of you remember when the Holy Spirit finally gave you that fear? <laughs> I love that song, Amazing Grace. He says that first what gave you that fear and that same grace relieved you from that fear. And friends, today, I don't know about y'all, but I thank God there was a day where I realized I was lost. I didn't find God. He found me. I didn't come to Christ. Christ came to me. All I can honestly say in my situation, I don't know about yours, was I just gave up and believed and trusted Jesus. And today you could do that. Because, guys, this is what we need to come to grips with. There's so much church going on where people aren't praying. And we, I'm not saying we don't pray, but we're not praying the way we should. Where it's not built upon the Word of God. To where people are not in a personal relationship with Jesus where they spend time with him. Because this is what Jesus said, not me. Jesus said that he is the vine and we are the branches. The vine is the source of life and power. The source of God's supply. And Jesus is that vine. And Jesus said, if you abide in me and I abide in you, he says, you will be fruitful. And you will bear much fruit. He says, but if you do not abide in me, and I don't abide in me apart from me, you can do nothing. And you can't escape that truth. It's like gravity. If I fall off this stage, I'm going to fall. Amen? If you live out of fellowship, and you're not abiding in Christ, and he's not abiding in you, you cannot. It's spiritually impossible to bear fruit. But when we do, we bear much fruit. For his glory. And friends, listen. The church, if we're not careful, goes through all the motions. We have meetings. We make plans. We gather. We try to do things. And we've never even heard what we're doing come from God. And then on top of that, we got to be empowered by God. To be empowered by God, we got to spend time with God. Not just on Sunday. Me and Jonathan, a while back, we were 
in a place, and you, we don't have to tell you what it was, but we started confessing to one another, and we was a long ways from God. <laughs> and we started confessing some hard things to admit to one another. We became accountability partners with one another. And the next thing we knew, God began to anoint us again. And Jonathan one day told me to me, he said, Sunday was unbelievable. When you get right with God, man, he shows up. He anoints you. You can't live in sin. You can't live just going through the motions of religion, coming to church on Sunday and just going out in the world like with everybody else and have Jesus. You've got to spend time with the Lord. You've got to be connected to the Lord. And the Lord must be connected to you. And friends, you've got to deal with sin, but you also got to deal with what does he want to do with your life? Because we don't get to just do what we want to do and have this anointing. It's to do his work. I never would have picked to be a pastor. When I got saved, I never would have picked to preach. God did that. I fought it for six months. I kicked. I lied to my wife. I, li I wouldn't admit that's what God wanted me to do. I did everything possible to try to avoid it. I didn't think I was worthy. I didn't think I should be able to do it. I wasn't, but I didn't want to do it either. But I finally surrendered to it. So when I surrendered, everybody told me, man, you don't preach like normal preachers. You're going to be an evangelist. I listened to them. <laughs> man, you're going to be an evangelist. We was going to revivals. Back then, revivals was real prevalent. I wanted to preach revivals. Man, I just wanted to come... Preach to y'all, leave, and go somewhere else and do it again. <laughs> but God, when he brought me to seminary, first thing he did was give me a church. I wasn't even through it. My first semester, I had my first church. Hadn't been saved but a year and a half. And I said, well, I'll go through this, and I'll learn some stuff. But when I graduate, I'm going back to Tennessee. I'm going to preach revivals. I ain't made it back to Tennessee yet. I ain't preaching revivals yet. I'm pastoring my third church. But you know what? God says, I'll put you where I want to put you, and you do what I want you to do, and I'll help you to do it. I know without a doubt, I'd have quit so many times if it wasn't for God's strength, if it wasn't for God's help. And friends, you can't do it without him. And today, the church has a lot of problems because many of us aren't unified under the leadership of the Holy Spirit who is going to lead the church through the leadership of his called leaders. When you're disobedient and rebellious and you're going to do what you want to do, you're going to do it by yourself every time. But when you say, Lord, whatever you want me to do, however you want to do it, wherever you want me to do it at, I'm willing to do it. I told Brother Dennis just the other day we was talking. And he, we were sharing about being called. And I said, Brother Dennis, there's two things in life I know I'm sure. I know I'm saved. I ain't never doubted it. There ain't no preacher. There ain't nothing devil. There ain't no sin ever make me doubt I'm saved. I know I'm saved, and I know I'm called to preach the gospel. And I know God called me to do what I'm doing and preach the word of God. But sometimes I've wondered if I'm preaching where I'm supposed to be preaching. I'm like, well, where do you want this preaching done? Because <laughs> I want to be in the will of God where he wants me to be. How about you? Because that's when you find the anointing on your life. Too many churches are just doing what the other churches do, what we want to do. And we haven't listened and heard from the Lordship of Christ. And I want you to look at this with me. Church ministry done without the power of the Holy Spirit is ineffective religious activity. It's what it is. I can't change your life. I can't help your family. I can't minister to your marriage. I can't do anything in Marvin. How many of you have figured out when Marvin gets in Marvin, bad things happen? But when God gets a hold of Marvin and Marvin ain't in control no more and he's been broken and humbled enough to give Jesus back control of his life, lives begin to change. Ministry begins to take effect. 
You see, church ministry done without the power of the Holy Spirit is ineffective religious activity, and it's incapable of changing a life for Jesus. And so I want you to ask yourself this question this morning. It's the question of the hour. Paul asked the church in Corinth, do you not know that you are the temple of God? God lives in you, friend, if you're saved. And do you not know that the Spirit of God dwells in you? How can you be lost in the flesh, dead to spirituality because of sin? And then one day you get saved and you're born again. Jesus said, do not marvel that I say you must be born again. For that which is flesh is flesh, and that which is spirit is spirit. Unless a man is born of the water, the natural birth, and the spirit, the supernatural birth of God, he cannot enter my kingdom. In fact, he said, you won't even be able to see it. But guys, when the Spirit comes, He'll give you eyes to see that you never had before. He'll give you ears to hear that you've never been able to hear before. In fact, in the last book, the book of Revelation says, He who has ears to hear, let him listen to what the Spirit says to the church. And He'll give you a heart to understand. He gave us the example of Ezekiel where Ezekiel said, He'll give you a new heart and He'll take away that old heart of stone and he'll give you a tender heart, a heart of flesh. A heart that is able to be touched and molded and affected by his spirit. You won't be hard-headed. You won't be self-centered and self-purposed. You'll follow him and his leadership. And friends, today, I want to encourage us to examine your life. Is the spirit at work in my life? Is it at work in my marriage? Is it at work in my family? Is it at work in my ministry? Is people's lives being changed and touched and influenced by the Lord? Because it's not us. It's him. The greatest thing that will ever happen to us is for God to so fall on this place, to so anoint us, to so show up in the power of his spirit that people will come and say, there ain't no way that bunch of dumb rednecks is doing that. There ain't no way that morning, that one leading them ain't done it. I have always felt inadequate because I don't speak well. And y'all know it. I got bad English. I say things I shouldn't say. I'm, I'm not elegant. I look at other preachers. Wish I could be like Brother Rocky. He's got that preaching voice. And he says everything just the right way. I say everything just Marvinism stuff. And I, I, I used to think, Lord... Why didn't you give me, like, Brother Nick, my, my brother-in-law, and my son-in-law? <laughs> Man, he's so elegant and speaks so well. Nobody asked me to do weddings because women want elegant preachers. I do funerals. I don't get asked to do many big weddings because I'll butcher it and mess it up. I've called the bride the wrong name. But if something happens to me during the week, and if you hang around me during the week, I'm not the same when I get up here. Would you agree? I'm just like you. I'm one of you. I'm just trying to get to heaven. I'm just trying to help people. But somewhere between the prayer closet and the study of the Word of God and maneuvering my life through the maze of this life, I walk up here on Sunday 
And for 25 years, he has kept me preaching the word of God. And he does that. And people have been saved. Some of you have been affected by Jesus through this church. And it's not me. It's not Jonathan. It's not Sam. Where is Sam? (laughs) Hope he ain't sick. It's through God taking us all together and anointing us to do what we can't do by ourselves. Isn't that awesome? Today I want to invite you, maybe for the first time, to say, Lord, would you take me and anoint me and fill me with your spirit? He may show you you got some sin in your life. You may have unforgiveness. If you got unforgiveness and judgmental feelings toward another Christian, no Holy Spirit. I'm here to tell you, I've learned the hard way. You got to love everybody. You got to treat everybody the way Jesus does. If if you got things in your life that keep bringing you into stuff like immorality or materialism, you got to repent of it. You got to ask God to help you, like Jesus said. It's written, and you got to stand against the devil. You know what I found? The devil. Is a pretty powerful foe, but if you'll stand in the word, in the power of Jesus, sooner or later, he leaves, just like he did Jesus, and he goes away for another opportune time. And every time you stand against him, you get a little stronger. You get a little better. And you learn to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. And friends, today, what we need to do is walk in the spirit. Amen? Walk in the flesh. They say, this is fanatical. This is, this is what all the churches are missing. This is biblical. And so today, it starts with knowing you're saved. What happens when you get saved? The Bible says this, not Brother Marvin, and I'm going to read it to you. The Bible says that we are all dead in our trespasses and sins outside of Christ's grace. And that comes from Ephesians 2. If you want to turn there with me, we're going to close and we're going to give an invitation. And in Ephesians chapter 2, listen what the Bible has to say about this. I lost my, my little thing come off. But this is what the Bible says. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. How did he make you alive? He forgave you of your sins. He washed you. And he cleansed you so that he now can come into you. And so it says right there in verse 1. And you he made alive who were dead, spiritually dead, in trespass and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, everyone who is not alive in Christ, according to the prince of the power of the air. That's the devil. He wants to keep you dead. He don't want you to get the Holy Spirit. He don't want you to get saved and converted. He wants you to be religious. And there's a lot of people in religious places There's a lot of religious people in hell. I could spit in hell right now and hit a Baptist, I promise you. Because Baptist religion will not keep you out of hell. Jesus and his power. And listen to what he says. In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power there. The spirit, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. That's what's wrong with all them progressives and them liberals and them crazy people who are anti-Jesus and anti-God and hate the Bible and want to lead America away from what made America what it once was. Because they hate God. They're just doing what the sons of disobedience do. But one day, look what happened to us, verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy... 
because of his great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in sin, even when we were without life, he made us alive together with Christ. And by grace, you have been saved. I will never apologize for being different and changed because of Jesus. Because I'm a firm believer. No change, no Jesus. If you look like the world, you're of the world. And you will die as the world. But if Jesus comes into your life, it's a process. It takes time. More than some of others. But you will begin to turn and become like Jesus. Because that's why he saved you. Today, I want to invite you, my lost friend, to break the pride. Walk away from your rebellion and say, I'm coming to Jesus and I want to give my life to Christ. I need grace. I need forgiveness. I need help. My religion ain't cutting it. I'm tired of failing. Lord, help me in the day he will save you. And for those of us who are saved and you keep messing up, you keep doing it again. Come today and say, Lord, I've come to ask you to anoint me, to give me your Holy Spirit and empower me to live a life for you. That's what Christianity is. I'm going to pray and you can respond. It's that easy. It's not hard. It's not hard to understand. And you know what? Just like getting saved, the cross didn't make sense. The Bible says the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those of us who are being saved, it's the power of God. And the person, the best day next to believing in the cross and getting saved, the next best day is trusting God's provision and following Jesus and being anointed with the Holy Spirit. And so I want to tell you, it's not Pentecostal or some other religion. It's biblical. To be filled with the presence and power of God's Spirit in your life. It's a gift for you from Jesus so that you can live the life he died for you to live. Would you stand with me? I'm going to pray. Father, I preached. I've said what you told me to say. It's between you and them. And I pray for these dear people, Lord, that they will respond in obedience and faith to you. I know there's someone, Lord, who's a breath away from hell who realizes now that he can be saved, that you're drawing him, you've shown him, and he realizes his need for Jesus, I pray today he would receive you. He would walk just up here and tell me, I need to know how to be saved, preacher. Not to join a church, not to be part of a religious system, but to get saved by your grace and be given life. I pray right now for that person who's struggling, that you'll help them. And I pray for the church, Lord, the true saved, who are struggling, that you will help us to surrender and submit to surrender all to Jesus so that he will give all back to us. We love you and we thank you for what you're fixing to do in Jesus' name. Amen. If Jesus spoke to you, please listen. Please trust him. He's calling you.